Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching on Levels of Faith for Healing. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about Levels of Faith for Healing. Amen. And by way of introduction, I'd like to begin with a a mini version, a summarized version of the teaching, which would really take a whole lot more time if I had it, but it's a mini teaching on the basics of divine healing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, so I want to give you some meat before we begin so that you can have faith for the rest of the message. Amen? So we're going to start with a mini teaching on the basics of divine healing, and then we'll use that as a launch platform to show you that God is willing to work with people at various levels of faith to bring healing to their body. Okay, so let's talk about what I consider to be the three foundational scriptures that show definitively that the finished work of Jesus Christ in His death, in His crucifixion, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension, the finished work of Jesus Christ bought and paid for us as a redemptive blessing, the forgiveness of our sins, but also the healing of our body. Amen? It's a foundational truth that you have to get in your heart before you can go anywhere in healing. you got to have that settled. Because if it was part of redemption, then it was God's will, and it always has been God's will, for you to be healed. Amen? Not just to have your sins forgiven, but to give you a complete salvation, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? When Adam and Eve fell, they fell spirit, soul, and body. So to get man back to where he was before the fall, he had to reverse the curse and get men saved, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? He provided for it all on the cross. He took it all in his body. I'm getting preachy, and I haven't even started reading Scripture yet. All right, so the three foundational scriptures, you might be wondering which scriptures those are. They are Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 16, 17, and 1 Peter 2, 24. If you want to start your personal study of healing, I recommend that you start there. Why? Because of what I just said. These scriptures, without a doubt, conclusively prove that healing is is a part of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Amen? And again, I say, you have to have that settled in your heart to make the next logical leap, which is, therefore, it is the will of God for everyone to be healed because Jesus paid the price. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 13.1 says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I'm going to give you the witness of Isaiah, the witness of Matthew, and the witness of Peter to show you that the Word of God concerning divine healing has been established. Amen. Hallelujah. So beginning with Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Let me reread that with this knowledge. The word there for griefs is actually the Hebrew word for sicknesses. And the word there translated sorrows is the Hebrew word for pains. 
So you could read this scripture like this. Surely he, Jesus, hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's when you trespass or you cross the line with God. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's your sin and your evil deeds. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That word there, healed, is the Hebrew word rapha. Rapha. It means to heal, to cure, or to make whole. Hallelujah. In Exodus 15, 26, God said to the Israelites in the Hebrew, I am Jehovah Rapha. And what that means literally is, I am the self-existent one who has come to heal, cure, and make you whole. Hallelujah. And one of the things that's noteworthy as you read through the Exodus there, the Exodus account, they came out of Egypt, which is a type of coming out of the world, repenting, turning your back on the world. They went through the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism. And the very first place they came to after that were the bitter waters, which they could not drink because the waters were poisonous. And God the Father told Moses, take a tree and put it in the water, and the waters will be sweet to drink. The tree was a type of the cross. So I want you to see that the very first redemptive name of God, Jehovah Rapha, was Jehovah Rapha, the first thing that God revealed about himself, his nature and his character, is I am a healing God. Amen. So you follow the logical sequence there in types. He wants you to repent, turn your back on the world. He wants you uh, born again. He wants you baptized. But he also wants you healed and well. Amen. It's the very first redemptive name of God that was revealed to the Israelites. So don't tell me that healing is not a priority with God. It is a priority with God. He wants you well. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Matthew 8, 16, 17. When the even was come, they, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. You know, I looked that word up in the Greek, the word where it says, and healed all that were sick, the word all, and it means all. You know, so let there be no doubt. He healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This scripture is so rich to me. It's such a foundational key scripture. I'm not sure I can cover everything that's cool about this scripture in one service, but I'm going to try. Hallelujah. First of all, if you read Luke's account of the same incident, Luke chapter 4, verse 40 through 42, you find out that Jesus stayed up all night in Peter's house in Capernaum, laying hands on every sick person that was there until everyone in the room that needed healing got healed. That in itself is an amazing statement for the will of God concerning healing. If it wasn't God's will to heal all, why did Jesus stay up all night praying literally for probably hundreds of people 
and made sure everybody got healed. That's a powerful statement. I tell you another really cool factoid. If you read Luke's account, you find out that the whole healing explosion started when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. She had a fever, and Jesus rebuked the fever, and she got up well. Some people believe it's the greatest miracle in all of the Bible that Peter actually wanted his mother-in-law healed. Amen. You knew I was going to work something humorous in there somehow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everybody's got this mental image of their mother-in-law, right? I pray everyone in here has wonderful mothers-in-laws. Okay? Praise the Lord. Something else I want to point out. There are many Christian leaders that teach that Isaiah 53, 4, where it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, that's talking about some sort of spiritual healing, not physical healing. Well, it's easily refuted not only in the Hebrew, which says sicknesses and pains, but when Matthew quotes Isaiah 53, 4, he says, he bore our sicknesses. That's the way he read it, and that's the way he interpreted it. But not only that, you got something else that's really cool. If somebody comes to you and says Isaiah 53, 4 and verse 5 is talking about spiritual healing, not physical healing, all you have to do is say, I want you to use a little bit of logic. If that is the case, why is Matthew in chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 describing this healing meeting where everyone got healed, physically healed, if it doesn't apply to physical healing? In other words, If Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 is talking about spiritual healing, not physical healing, somebody forgot to tell the apostle Matthew. He didn't get the memo. Because he quoted Isaiah in the context of a mass healing revival in Peter's house in Capernaum. So that tells me right there, logically speaking, that this is talking about physical healing. Amen? Glory to God. It's not that big of a logical leap if you're not accustomed to reading your Bible with the doubt and unbelief highlighter. Do you know what a doubt and unbelief highlighter is? It's a big black magic marker. You just mark out the parts you don't believe. Pretty soon you don't have much of a Bible. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We sang it today. It is a reality. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me that I don't go geographic all over the map. Because I get excited and sometimes I go geographic. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. So the witness of Matthew 8, 16, and 17 tells us that Isaiah 53, 4 is definitely referring to physical healing. Amen. But there's more. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. That word there translated healed is the Greek word 
Iomai. And Iomai means to physically heal or to make whole. It's translated 26 times in the New Testament as heal or healed and two times as make whole. So Matthew verifies once again that Isaiah 53, 4 is referring to physical healing. And Peter verifies that Isaiah 53, 5 is referring to physical healing. Case closed. Again, I say, if Isaiah was talking about spiritual healing, then Matthew and Peter didn't get the memo. Neither did the Holy Ghost because he was the one who inspired them to write what they wrote. So it don't make no sense in country talk to believe it's only referring to spiritual healing. First of all, you can't be spiritually healed. You have to be born again spiritually. You got to start all over. Your spirit, your dead spirit does not get healed. It gets removed and a new one gets put in in its place. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo. Praise the Lord. Also noteworthy here in 1 Peter 2.24, notice that Peter quotes Isaiah 53.5, with his stripes we are healed, but with a different tense. He says, by whose stripes ye were healed. Why is that? Well, that's because Isaiah was looking forward to the cross 700 years in the future, so he uses future tense. But Peter's looking about 35 years in the past when Christ was crucified, and now it's an accomplished fact. Jesus paid the price, and healing is part of his redemptive work on our behalf. Amen. By whose stripes you were healed. You know, I say it over myself almost every day. Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I was and I am healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. Amen. Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. It's such a part of me, I can just spit it out in a nanosecond. Amen. So again, I say, if you want to start your study of personal healing, start with these three verses. Amen. And then go from there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So based on the testimony of three witnesses, Isaiah, Matthew, and Peter, all of them inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these particular passages, we can know one thing for sure. When Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't saying that his work was done. For he still had to go to hell after his death triumph over the devil and his crowd, be raised from the dead, ascend to heaven, and then send the Holy Ghost to the earth. Amen. But what he was saying is this, I have borne all the sin, all the sickness, all the disease of the entire world here in my body so they don't have to bear it if they'll put their faith in me and in my finished work. Amen. Felt the anointing on that. All right, so now we're going to launch into what I really wanted to talk about, and that's three types or three levels of healing faith. Do you see now why I had to preface this with a little bit of word so you can have some faith and figure out where you are in these levels of faith? Amen? Everybody's at a different level, but we should always be increasing in faith. Amen? 
John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, and the New King James Version, we read this last week and looked at it from a little bit different point of view. This week, I'm going to emphasize some other things. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now I submit to you, put your thinking cap on, that this passage, John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, is a type of healing through a gift of the Spirit, specifically the gifts of healing. Follow my logic here. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says that the Holy Spirit distributes the nine charismatic gifts of the Spirit as He wills, Right? Not as we will, but as He wills. That includes gifts of healing. So for reasons known only to Him, God sometimes chooses to minister healing to someone through a gift of the Spirit, regardless of the amount of faith present in the recipient. Amen? Now, would you agree with me that there wasn't much faith present in the man that lay by the pool of Bethesda? He said, I have no man. He was looking to a man and and not to God. Jesus came in with the people who were there for the festival, for the feast, and he parted from the crowd and he went to the pool of Bethesda and he bypassed literally hundreds of sick people and made a beeline to this one man. I believe he was led by the Holy Spirit to do so and I believe it was a word of knowledge when he knew he had been sick for a very long time. And God, for his reasons, his sovereign reasons, said, I want that man healed today. Don't worry about anybody else. Just go to him. This is why I believe it was a gift of the Spirit. It would seem to be kind of random. Why this guy? Well, the Bible says, well, he had been there a long time, and Jesus discerned they'd been there a long time, and he was desperate, and he needed a touch from God. And he said, will you be made whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? And he said, I have no man. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he was healed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Does everybody see that? Praise the Lord. The faith for this healing came primarily from Jesus. Isn't that right? Would you agree with me that this man didn't have a whole lot of faith? 
And he was pretty much dependent on the faith of Jesus. Okay, That's the way it is with the gifts of the Spirit sometimes. Now remember, faith has to be present in someone at some level for anyone to receive from God. There has to be faith from somewhere. Okay, In this case, wasn't much faith with the man, but there was great faith with Jesus. So he said, you're healed. Stand up, take up your bed, and walk home. Amen. After 38 years, he was healed. He was delivered because Jesus showed up on the scene. Hallelujah. Whoo. Hallelujah. The faith for this healing came from Jesus. And this healing, you would agree with me, was initiated by the Holy Spirit and executed by the Lord Jesus by and through his obedience to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so I would call this first example little faith. Little faith. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, also in the New King James Version. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Notice that we've got a pretty good crowd of people in this place. And Pharisees and teachers of the law are a part of the crowd. Jesus is teaching. And you cannot convince me that he wasn't teaching on healing. Because when you teach on healing, then the power of the Lord is present to heal. Amen. But as we read the story, sadly, none of the Pharisees or the doctors of the law received their healing. It's because they did not receive the word of the Lord from Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Very sad, but true. All right, so verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. That's what I call determination. When he saw their faith, isn't that interesting? When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? In other words, Jesus was saying, It takes the same power to forgive this man of his sins as it does to heal his body. So what difference is it which one I start with? Amen? I'm going to get him forgiven for his sins first. Amen. I love that. Hallelujah. Verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power, that word there is in the Greek, exousia, which means authority. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, 
take up your bed and go to your house. In other words, the same authority that gave Jesus the ability to forgive sin also gives him the ability to heal your body. Amen. Is it really that hard to believe that Jesus saves and Jesus heals? Romans 5.12 says, Sin came in and death came in on its heels. And sickness and disease are nothing more than what F.F. Bosworth used to call incipient death. In other words, if sickness or disease was not interrupted by medicine or by the power of God, if left unchecked, it will result in death. So if Jesus paid the price for the sin, he paid the price for the result of sin, which is sickness, disease, and death. Amen. It's so logical, it's hard to miss. But people get so religious in their thinking, they can't see it. i got to read it again because I'm losing momentum here. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Hallelujah. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. You know, I read that. <laughs> strange things. A man gets his sins forgiven, and he gets his body healed. And that's such a strange thing. People are having a hard time getting their arms around it. And it reminded me of something that Paul said to King Agrippa when he was sharing his testimony. He said, essentially, is it such a strange thing that we believe that God can raise the dead? Is it really that incredible? We have seen strange things today. Amen. Let me just prophesy to you. If you hang around people of faith, you shall see stranger things yet. Amen. Glory to God. Notice that Jesus took action on behalf of the paralyzed man when he saw their faith. This illustrates to me that the man on the stretcher was dependent on the faith of others, or we would say the corporate faith of his friends. First of all, to get him there. Second of all, to get him in an atmosphere of faith where teaching was being taught and faith could rise in his heart. Amen? So there's no doubt in my military mind that these men had either heard Jesus teach before or as they tried to make their way up to the roof, they were listening to what Jesus had to say. And when they heard that word, they knew if they could just get their friend before the feet of Jesus, Jesus would do the rest. Amen. And that is exactly what happened. Amen. When he saw their faith, Jesus went into action. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? The faith for this healing came primarily from the paralyzed man's friends. The healing I say, was initiated by them. They made a demand on the authority that
that was resident in Jesus, and he complied. Amen. Glory to God. They were pretty bold to tear the roof tiles off and lower this guy down. That must have been quite a logistical effort. I know, how'd you do that? Go to the four corners, everybody's got a rope, everybody keep the length the same, or we're going to tump him out. And that would be a bad thing. Tump is a country word for dump. All right. All right, so what do we learn from this? There may be times when you minister healing to someone who's new to the faith, or too weak or unable to exercise faith on their own, or maybe even somebody in a coma, then that person is completely dependent on the corporate faith of those that are around him. Amen? The only way they're going to receive is by someone else's faith, corporate faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. I'll get back to that notion here as when we wrap up later on. But I will want to go on to Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. But before that, I would call this last example corporate faith. Corporate faith. So we've gone from little faith to corporate faith. And now we're going to go on to giving you a teaser. Great individual faith. Great individual faith. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34 in the New King James Version. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Wow. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? Amen. Let me just stop right there. Who touched my clothes? The disciples are like, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching your clothes. No, he said, who touched me like that? Because he felt virtue or power go out of his body. He said, somebody has made a demand on the anointing of God that is in me. And I don't know who it is. Isn't that amazing? You see this wonderful mix of Jesus, the 100% human, and Jesus, the 100% divine. And the human side of him had no idea who made that demand on him, but he felt it leave his body. I think that is so cool. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So this passage represents the ideal that the Lord desires for all of his people. 
to hear the word, to know the word, and to make a demand on the anointing and appropriate the promises of God for yourself. Amen? Especially concerning healing. Now hear me out. The faith for this healing came from the woman. Jesus said, your faith. I had nothing to do with this other than the fact that the power was in me. You were the one who made a demand on that anointing. Your faith has made you whole. This healing was initiated by the woman. I mean, she evidently had heard of Jesus. No doubt heard he was teaching on healing and healing people. And she built her faith up to the point where she said, all I got to do is get close enough to the anointing to touch his garment, and I'm going to be healed. And that's exactly what happened. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let me wrap this up with some concluding thoughts. We've gone from little faith to corporate faith to great individual faith. So backing up to little faith, many believers get the wrong impression when they go to healing meetings and they see someone operating the gifts of healing and miracles and somebody that they know has almost zero faith gets healed instantly of some dread disease and they think this is the way God brings healing to everyone. And so what they do is they go from healing meeting to healing meeting to healing meeting seeking someone to give them a word and minister a gift of healing to them so they can be instantly healed. Listen, that's an act of mercy on the part of God the Father because He knows some unbelievers have no idea what faith is all about, so you've got to have some way of ministering to them. And then new believers really haven't had a time uh, for their faith to grow and develop, so you've got to have a way of ministering to them. But it's not supposed to be for the mature saint. I don't go to a healing meeting and expect for somebody to speak a word to me. Now, if it happens, praise God, hallelujah, they can agree with me by faith because chances are I'm already standing for what they're calling out in me anyway. Just agree with me, brother. I've been standing for one year about this. Amen. It's not the way God wants his mature believers to receive. It's just not. The man at the pool of Bethesda is a type or an example of what I'm saying. So again, we call it, or I call it, little faith. But God doesn't want us to stay infantile in our faith. Amen? I believe the next level of faith above that is to get people to agree with you and build a corporate faith around you so you can overcome some of the doubt and unbelief that you're facing. There's strength in numbers, and there's power in agreement. I don't think we should ever get away from corporate faith, because even if you do have great individual faith, how much better is it to get together with some other people who have, who have great individual faith and build a corporate faith like no other? Amen. A great corporate faith, if you will. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So again, we call that corporate faith. Strength in numbers and the power of agreement is there to help you. But inevitably, hear me out. 
You will face a situation where it's just you and God. There's no one around to agree with you to believe for a miracle. You will inevitably face that situation. Amen. And God wants you to mature in your faith to the point, if need be, you can stand on your own, look at the Word, see what belongs to you, and reach out and take what belongs to you by faith. Make a demand on the anointing of God. Make a demand on the power of God. You're not commanding God to do anything because the price has already been paid. You're just saying, Lord, I'm reaching out. I see what you did for me, and I'm grabbing it by faith. I believe I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Amen. That's where we should get to. Amen. In our walk of faith. And I believe the woman with the issue of blood is a perfect example of that higher level of faith that we should all aspire to. Amen? Let's call it, once again, great individual faith. So as we grow and mature in the faith, let's endeavor to progress from little faith to corporate faith to great individual faith. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's teaching on Levels of Faith for Healing. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>